before we got to verse 20 and 21 and just want to highlight real quickly verse 20 and 21 because we, we were looking at in verse 9 or in chapter 9 talking about the, the death that has taken place. Now, if we put it in today's numbers, the world population now has been cut in half. So in today's numbers, we've gone from 8 billion people to at this time where we're at in that, it would be the equivalent of about 4 billion people that, that are, are alive. But, you know, half the world's population, that's 4 billion people, still a lot of people. But half of the world's population has died now in this tribulation period. And so now we come to verse 20 and we're going to see here the response from the four billion who are still alive. We're going to see those, the lost that are on the earth, we see the response. Verse 20, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, and stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk, and they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Now, you know, you would think that with all that's going on, and, and, and I would tell you there's a difference in our world today. Uh, how many of you very clearly remember 9-11? You remember what went on after 9-11? So, you know, 9-11... Uh, it was a Tuesday morning. We come out of a staff meeting and we heard that was going on. The next Sunday, now I was at a church. We were running probably 1,100, 1,150 at that time. The next Sunday, we had, I think we were only in two services. We filled up two services, but we set chairs out. Our four-year area was much smaller than this area here. And then we had wide, real wide hallways. We had chairs all in the foyer, all down the hallway. And it was full that first Sunday. The following Sunday, it was full again, but not as full. The third Sunday, by the third Sunday, the numbers dropped off a lot. Because real people realized, oh, this isn't the end. This is, oh, okay, we're not in nuclear war now. And, and you, you, so you had people showing up at church that wanted some fire insurance, is, is, is the way I put it. You know, because they were, they were worried things were going to happen, trying to make things right or whatever. And that's not the way you do it. But they dropped off quickly. What I see today, I, don't, I think if we had that kind of a, of a, of a uh, I don't know, what's the right word, um, disaster. disaster, it's a man-made disaster. If we had that type of a ter ter uh, terrorist attack or that type of a disaster, I don't know that we would get that kind of a response today. I, I think there is, a, there is a, 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 a distancing of people. I don't know if you feel that or not. It's what I feel. It's what I see. People are becoming every day more and more and more calloused to the things of God. They're, they're pushing God off. They don't want anything to do with God. I read that by 20, I read something this afternoon. It said by, I think it was by 2030, or maybe it was 2050. But it was, it'd be better if I knew those dates. Whether it's 2030 or 2050, I'm not sure we're going to make it to either of those. But I, 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 would, I would tend to think we're not going to make it to, to 2050. We're going to be gone. We're going to be raptured out. But the, the statistics say that in America, we'll dip below 50% in America who profess to be Christian. By, by, and I'm thinking now, as I think about it, it was probably 2050. Because I don't think it was a, just a six or seven years. I think it was like 20 years down the line, 30 years down the line. But that's a, that's a huge change from where we're at right now. When you do surveys, so many would profess to be Christian. Whether they are or not, they'll profess that. So we, we see, you would think there would be more of a, with that kind of, the things that are going on in the world in that time. Now, you've got to understand, what we're reading here, 
we see it and it's, it's masked in the language and it's, it's John trying to capture what he's seeing and God is revealing it to him in a way that he, he's not writing the things he's seeing. It, it, he's not watching a CNN news report, right, of a live thing and then writing down in our language today what he's seeing. But what he is capturing, it, what prophecy is, is future history. I think I shared that with y'all before. That's a way of looking at, at prophecy. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it ain't going to happen. And it's going to happen just like God says it's going to happen. So the fact is, the things that are in this book, it's as though they've already happened because it's going to happen just like God has said it's going to happen. So he's revealing these things to us that are, that, are, that are lined up. We're seeing into the future. We're seeing future history. It's the history that, 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 we're, that we're watching. But you would think people would, would respond in a way that, that turned them back to God. And what we see is anything but that. They continue. They continue right there in their sins. They don't repent of their sins. They don't turn from their sins. They don't turn to Christ. Um, and here's what's amazing is the four billion people that are still alive that aren't already a believer... The, the, the very fact they're alive is by God's grace. It's an act of mercy that they're alive. They've been spared from those things that have happened and, and, and that have killed four billion people. And the goodness of God that it, 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 it has spared them their lives, it has not led them to repentance. And it's really, it's a sad thing when you look at that. Now think about, think about that for a second. Think about the joy we have with the Word of God and, and, and just how sweet this is. And we're going to talk about this later in chapter 10, but the sweetness of the Word of God. But there's a bitterness to it as well. And we look at this, and this, this is a bitter part of this. When you look at this and you think, why would these people not turn to Christ? Romans chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impotent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. Therefore, those... That are, that are left there and, and they, they refuse to turn to Christ, uh, they, they will have to endure greater judgment because there's more judgment to come. And they'll ultimately face the lake of fire. And it's a sad thing when you take, think of all the people who are going to go to hell. And, and, and through all of time. But you see these people here and it should be so... It should be so... Obvious. It should be such a, a turning point for people, and it's not. Verse 20 and 21 gives us a vivid picture of what life will be like after the church is taken to heaven. There will be widespread idolatry. You see that here in verse 20, the idolatry. And, um, and we know that you know, idol worship is demon worship. I mean, that's, that's ultimately what it is. You can go and read. If you want to reference there, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And read 16 through 22, really focus on 20 and 21 there. But, but you'll, you'll get this understanding that, that this idol worship is a worship of demons. And Satan has always wanted mankind to worship him. Go back to Matthew chapter 4. He's wanted man to worship him. And now he's going to receive that worship. Man, man, man is going to worship Satan. 
Um, so whenever you find idolatry, you're going to find ignorance. You're going to find immorality. And then verse 21 tells us that of, of these awful sins and crimes that, that will be occurring in those days. Now, the word sorceries, is, it comes from the word pharmakia in the Greek. And the root of that is the root, of, of that is, is the root for our English word that we get. Y'all guess what that is, right? Any, any, that's a real stretch to figure that one out, right? But when you think about sorceries, we, we get the, it's the root that we get the words pharmacist or pharmaceutical. And it, and it, and it means having to do with drugs. Uh, the same word now, this is interesting, the same word is translated in Galatians 5.20 as witchcraft. And it's, and it's in, in, uh, in Revelation 21.8 and 21, uh, 22.15, it's sorcerers. So there's a tie between the witchcraft and the sorcery uh, and, and this, this drug use. Now, it's interesting to me that, that where we're at today with that. You know, I've done more funerals in the last, let's say, three years. I've done more funerals for drug overdoses than, I did for, than I've done for COVID, to give you an idea, Okay. I, I, I did, I've, I've done, I think, three funerals for people I'd never met that had, had um, overdosed. Drugs are, are rampant. And, you know, Gina just went through her surgery, and they were pushing, well, they weren't pushing them, so to speak. It wasn't like they said, hey, you need to take this. But they were going to give her a script for opioids as she come out of surgery. We said, we're not taking opioids. We're not taking them. So they gave us something that supposedly it's in the family. It's not an opioid. It's not doesn't have the addictive quality. It did help with pain, but it wasn't. It wasn't like you take it five or six days. You know, I've read stuff that says those opioids you can be addicted in two or three days. And the doc was like, "Well, if you take it five days, it won't be a problem." I, I want to call him a liar. What are you reading? But I didn't. You know, I'm going to be respectful. But I, I've read stuff that you can be addicted to that stuff in three days. I'm not. We're not messing with it. We're just, we're just not. Uh, I, I, an Advil is the strongest thing I take. Gina took those meds, and as soon as she could get off of them, she did. Um, but the, the pain pills that, that uh, folks, I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not crazy about any of that. I don't, I don't know what your take is on it, but I think, it's a, I think it's bad stuff. And it ties in with all of this stuff going on with drugs. You look at all the man-made stuff that's coming in, all the fentanyl. That stuff is just, uh, it's unbelievable how deadly that is. I watched a video of a police officer. He did a, he was a newer, he was a newer officer and he had opened the trunk of a car and his partner had just told him, don't touch anything. And he touched something and he just went, boom, out. Just that quick, fentanyl and just touching it. He, he was out, OD. Fortunately, they had the, what were they, Nar, Narcan? Narcan. Narcan. They had that, and they shot him and brought it, and, and, and he saved his life. But uh, that stuff is just, it's everywhere. Drug use is rampant. And it's, not, and it's not just, you know, we would think back in the 80s when I, you know, I was in high school. There were, kids that were, there were kids doing cocaine in my high school in the 80s. And I thought, I was shocked. But kids were smoking marijuana, a lot of marijuana smoking. But it was, even then, it was different. Well, as I understand it, the, the, the stuff now is laced. Kids can smoke marijuana today, and, and, and it can be laced with something and kill them. I mean, one time, and you're out. 
But then they're getting hooked on stuff. A kid goes and has a, a good, good kid, good, you know, he's an athlete, never done anything, tears his knee up, they do surgery, and they put him on these drugs, and, and, and he's on drugs for two weeks. The next thing you know, now he's, he's hooked on opioids. It's just the stuff that's going on with drugs. And that's part of what we, when you look at this, what it says that they, they, they continued, they, continue, they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. It is, it is, the culture isn't softened a bit. If anything, it may, may even be harder. But the sorceries today, you think about how many people are taking that to get away from reality. And folks, I'm going to tell you, if you've got you, you to take a pill to cope with something, um, as a Christian then you need, to, you need to work through that and figure that out because if i got to take a pill to calm myself down or if i got some, you know, there's, there's other ways to deal with these things. Uh, if I'm, I'm, you know, I'm stressed, so i got to go home and I'm going to have a glass of wine. All my drinkers are going to be mad at me. But, but folks, we don't need alcohol. We as Christians don't need alcohol. We don't need it. It is a drug. It is a drug. And so... You know, you know, we can debate all day long whether whether the Bible defends it or doesn't. I don't. I I we we I, I can make a strong, strong, strong case against alcohol at all. I'm just going to encourage you. Think about what you're doing because why are you drinking? Are you drinking to deal and cope? Are you drinking to calm down? Are you drinking to loosen up? What what is it? Why am I? Ha why do I need that as a believer? Because as a believer, I have the Holy Spirit of God living in me. I don't need a drug to help me with that. Amen. And, and uh, don't get mad at me, okay? I'm just, I'm preaching what I believe, all right? Don't get mad at me. If you're drinking now, you're going to keep drinking, okay? I'm just trying to encourage you. Don't get mad at me. Don't stone me and throw me out or whatever. I, I'm telling you this not because I'm, I'm, I'm I, boy, preacher just, he just knows, he just thinks he knows it all. He wants to, no, I tell you this stuff because I love you. I love you, and, and you don't need those things any more than you need the pills. You don't need the narcotic pills. You, you don't need those things. If it's something we have to lean on, what we become in a slave to something else. Get off of it, preacher. I had a friend tell me he thought drinking was okay. This is a guy who was in ministry. And he, drinking's okay, all right. And, and I said, so, what do you, he said, well, you know, I just, there's just this one drink I really like. I just really like it. You know, I don't drink it to get buzzed or anything. I just really like the way it tastes. I said, man, how many drinks did you have before you found the one you really like? Did, was it just the first one you picked up? Is that, is that how that works? And I go, in a day when you can go into the, convenience store and have 500 non-alcoholic beverage choices I really don't have to have an alcoholic drink to just have something I like okay all right now I'll stop he's why would you man I've, I've got this stuff that's built up one in ten who drink will become an alcoholic that's the statistic and it may be higher than that but if one in ten how many of you who 
if you embrace it, if you embrace it, if you're okay with it, your kids, if you, are, if you tolerate it, your kids will probably embrace it. Mm-hmm. So are you okay with sticking a gun in your kid's head that has 10 holes in the chamber, you know, it'll hold 10, but you got one bullet in it. Are you okay with him playing Russian roulette with that? That's what we do with alcohol. And it is destroying lives, people. We want to argue that it's, no, it's a good thing, it's okay. I, I, don't, I don't know of anybody that has come to me and go, you know what, my life's just so much better since I started drinking. It's just so much better. You know, that DUI I got, man, what a blessing that was. It was, you know, I had this hangover. I had this hangover the other week. I had a few too many drinks the night before, and I just had this bad hangover, and it just, you know, that was, that was awesome. I just, it was just great. I loved it. Okay, all right, now I'm done. The sorceries, the, 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 the drugs, the mind-controlling stuff. I was telling you all about this, that spider, that, that wasp, the spider wasp down in Costa Rica. All right, think about this. If, if, if I've thought of this, I promise you someone who's, who's got a, 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 a hate or, or, a, or a mischievous mind has thought of it. But if that wasp can lay a larva on a spider and take over its mind, there are people researching because they want to know what is, the, what is it that's doing to take over that mind? How did that larva take over the mind of that spider? They're going to know. They want to figure out the chemical or whatever it is. Because why? Because there's a lot of people in this world who want to control you. If they can get you to take a pill and then get control of your mind and control the way you think and control where you spend your money, control how you vote and control all those things, they'll do it. That's... that's that gets into the pharmacia, the sorcery. That there's, there, there may be something there. So the fact that sorcerers use drugs and potions in their devilish activity shows the connection between uh, these words. John suggests that there will be a revival of rich, witchcraft and an increase in the use of drugs in the latter days, and we see that. Uh, there are organizations right now that are on the rise in the area of witchcraft. There are organizations, uh, the spiritism, in, in the world today is on the rise. All this spiritism, spiritualism and spiritism uh, of, of the spirits and things. People are messing with stuff. They don't even know what they're getting engaged with. Amen, Brent? Brent's over shaking his head. Brent knows what I'm talking about. Um, so, I mean, we just look around today and we see. All right, so that, that's the thing. And that's the sad part of this is that people see what's going on in the world. And there's no... Pulling to God, no turning to God. Um, it's sad, and it's a, it's a heart-wrenching thing. All right, chapter 10. Chapter 10. I, I would title this, as, and it, um, it'll take us a couple of weeks to get through this part of chapter 10, I think. I know it will because we're at 725 tonight. Um, but turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's what I've kind of titled this. You know, all the troubles in the world is we're talking about what we're, 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 we're in Revelation. We're talking about what's going to come. And those people that do not, they do not turn to the Lord and, and, and they reject, they reject the Lord. Ultimately, they reject the Lord because at this point they're hearing it. They've had the two witnesses are preaching. They've had these, these evangelists are preaching. You know, I don't know, but as I read this, I don't know if you get the same feeling I do. 
I, you know, I do believe, and I've shared this, I do believe that there are people who will not be able to be saved in the tribulation. I believe that. I'm convicted of that, uh, convinced of that. That's probably more the right word. I could be wrong. I ain't going to die on a hill, but I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced that if you hear the gospel, if the Holy Spirit of God convicts you of that and you reject that in this life before the rapture, I'm convinced that, that the Lord's going to send delusion. Second Thessalonians, you can go and read that, study that out. I'm convinced of that. Now, that's not to say people aren't going to be saved. There are going to be multitudes of people saved. I'm not sure, though, as I read this, that this might not be the greatest evangelistic time in the history of the world. There may be more evangelism going on, but it is a harder, colder world. And they're going to reject it. And, it's, and it's, again, it's amazing that you may have the gospel coming at them in, in so many different forms, wide open. And they're, and they're rejecting it. But the trouble then, and the trouble today we have... It stems from the fact that people have lost sight of Jesus Christ. Amen? He's not the center of, of, of things anymore. Even in America, this Christian nation. Um, so we, so we, as we look at this, uh, as we get to this point of the study, and we're, we're coming here right to the... As we get to here to chapter 10, we're right in the center now of the tribulation period. 10 through 14 are kind of right in the middle right here. So at this point in our study, men have ruled out Christ as a factor in world affairs. And that's where it is. You look at our politics today. And most, they don't consider Christ at all. They don't consider God at all. God is just pushed out of this. I, I would encourage you, I may try to find the link and show this to you next week. I was listening to... Um, I was listening this afternoon. I saw a clip yesterday, so I was trying to find it this afternoon. But I found a clip of Prince Charles giving a speech at the climate, at the climate thing. It was at the end of last year, like November of last year. And he is talking about military force to control and talking about trillions, trillions of dollars. Not billions of dollars, but trillions of dollars. And, having, and he speaks of this man who would have control of that force and of that money then to force these things that they're trying to do with the, all the climate stuff, which is nothing but control, people. It's control. If you can't figure it don't get political. They're trying to control you. Whatever way they can do it, they're trying to control you. There's the, there's, that's the satanic world system that is we're moving towards. Folks, as you read Revelation, look at what's going on in the world around you. One of the things, this has opened my eyes to so much that you see it. When we look around us, what do you see? It's anti-God. Everything is anti-God. What do you think the transgender stuff? It's anti-God. It's going to deny what God has established. What is homosexuality? It's anti-God. What is, I mean, they, these people now, they're, they're, what is Disney? Disney. Disney. Folks, I just tell you, I'm, 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 I'm getting in all y'all's business tonight. So don't drink and don't go to Disney. Okay? Don't support Disney. Don't support Disney. My friend that was here the other day, uh, Sunday Scott, I, I, he told me they came down and they were staying over there near Disney. They had a condo there. And, uh, and so we were talking. I was like, man, please tell me you're not going to Disney. I said, so what are y'all going to do when you're here? He said, oh, we're going to probably go to Universal. I think we're going to go to 
we'll probably go to SeaWorld. He said, but man, I am not going to Disney. He said, we are, we are done with Disney. I mean, I, I read today where, so the newest princess for a show they're, they're establishing is, is some, I don't know who it is, some famous, uh, infamous drag queen. Yeah. It's a man, and, and they're going to put him in, in this uh, hero thing as a, as a, as a superhero. So if you don't see, if you cannot see the agenda that is being pushed by Disney and so many others, it's, it's, it's child exploitation. Right. It is pedophilia. Right. They're arresting them left and right. They don't call it pedophilia. Anymore. No, no, no. Maps. Minor attracted persons. Minor attracted persons, which, which mean, maps means pervert. I mean, sinful pervert is what that means. Now, I ain't getting any of this lesson done tonight. Y'all remember when the, the whole debate about gay marriage was coming up, and, and the whole thing was, oh, this is just about people who love each other in monogamous relationships. We just happen to be same sex, but we want to get... And, and there were people, uh, preachers were, were standing up to this. A lot of people were standing up to this saying, look... This is nothing but get the nose in the door. You ever seen the thing, the dog gets his nose in the door, and the next thing, the dog's on the couch with you. That's how this works. And it, it, is, it is get your nose in the door. That's what that was, this whole thing. Because when you normalize, you normalize this sin, it makes it easier to normalize the next one and then the next one. And the, the whole idea is to normalize to where these, this is not a sickness, it's not a crime, it's not a sin, it's just, you know what, I'm just attracted. Well, well, at some point, and, and look at what we're doing now. We take people who are rapists and we turn them right back out and they go out and rape and kill again because, because our DAs are putting them out and don't want to enforce laws, don't want to enforce those things. Uh, but that's sin. You can trace all this back to an anti-God, anti-Scripture, anti-law, anti-society, uh, anti-family, all of that. But it's to normalize sin. Toward that nothing then, we can't say anything is wrong. It all goes, I mean, what we're seeing, folks, it goes back, and, and you may be listening and, and think, man, I think preachers, man, he probably wears a tenfold hat. No, I'm not a conspiracy guy. Because I, I think I can back up everything I'm talking about. Amen. I think there's, it's truth. It's truth. It's the direction we're heading. And we're heading. People are, the, the, what's the phrase? They're useful idiots in this thing. Yes. Because they think they're doing a good thing. They've got these kids so snowed. Kids are growing up now scared to death. That, the parents of that Greta Thornburg ought to be in prison. They ought, to be, they ought to be in prison because she has been absolutely, I mean, just so she's in fear and all this of the climate thing. Why is it all the rich people are buying condos on the coast if, the, if, the, if it's, we're going to be flooded in 10 years? Or oh, we don't have 10 years, do we? we got about seven. I think we, we should have been dead about 20 years ago, according to what they were saying 40 years ago. So you just got to watch where it's going. And it's, it's, it, it's getting to here because this is going to be controlling people, controlling the masses, Having them all reject God, reject Christ, and, 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 and worship Satan. So when, I, I never even got to what I was talking about with Prince Charles, did I? All right. 
jump the track. King Charles. So when King Charles was just a lowly prince, he's given this. I did. I think I did share that. I did share that. He's now the king. But but he was talking and pushing about that man. We need a man of power. This goes back to after World War II. And I read that. We, we studied that. We talked about that before we ever launched into Revelation. With, with, uh, there, were, there were folks who were saying right after World War II, we need someone. If there was someone strong enough and charismatic enough that everyone would follow, we would, we would just bow down at him. We would follow him. Well, they're going to get that person. They're going to get that person. That's what we're seeing. Okay. So the world is, is in disarray, and it's because Christ isn't the center. And you think about, you think about this, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to share this, and then, we'll, and then it'll prompt us into next week. But it's getting your eyes back on Jesus. You know, there was a time to illustrate what's going on in the chaos that we see. Um, for centuries, men believed, man believed, the, 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 theories, um, the theories of, ast- of astronomy that were put forth by the Greek philosophers. And when you're talking about that, we're talking about Aristotle and, and Ptolemy. Um, and, and what they said at those times, it was, it was scientific gospel. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't challenge it. I mean, if you challenged what they said, then, then I mean, that was heresy. And, and what they said was that the earth was the center of the universe. And they said the planets revolved around the earth and the planets revolved in a perfect circle around the earth and the sun revolved around the earth. So the earth was the, the, the exact center. Well, the problem was is they're looking up and they're watching these. The, the, the planets are doing all kind of weird stuff because if it's circling the earth, it ought to be doing this, right? But they're seeing Mars go out there and then it comes back and moves back this way and they can't explain why these things are happening. So space is in chaos. I mean, astronomy, as they're looking out into the space, it's in chaos. It's crazy. You can't explain it. Then you fast forward, and, uh, and you, come to, you come to the place where, let's see, who was it? Um, it was Nicholas Copernicus and Johannes Kepler. And they come in, and they understood the problem with the astronomy and the reason it was such a mess was the centrality of the sun. That's where it had been missed. So they put us as, as the middle, not them, but, but the, the Greek philosophers put us in the middle. We were central. Everything revolved around us. Copernicus and Kepler come in and they, they understood, they, they figured out that the sun is central in our solar system. And everything revolves around the sun. And it doesn't revolve in a perfect circle. It's an ellipse, so it's different. So now, when, when, when you put the sun in, in its right place, then every, there's no chaos. Everything's right. And it's a picture of that right there. The centrality of the sun. S-O-N. The centrality of the sun. When we put the sun in his right place, everything falls into place. Everything makes sense. But folks, what we want to do is the same thing they did. We want to put ourselves at the center. I, I used to tell Jordan, she, I, she probably today she'd still get mad. But I'd go, Jordan, the world. 
And we know, we've seen our kids that do that, right? Your, your kid and, and the world. I mean, Conrad and the world. I mean, we all can do it where we put ourselves in the middle. We're in the center. Everything revolves around us. And that brings chaos. But when Christ is on the throne, and we acknowledge that, and he is, he is the centrality of the Son, everything then falls into place. And so it's the same way, it's the same way spiritually, it's the same way with the world around us. But what we're going to see there and what we're seeing more and more and more is this fact that the Son is no longer even considered the Son, S-O-N. He's no longer considered in any of this in life. And it's sad. And it's sad. And it's, it's, it's sad when you share the gospel with someone and, and, they, and, they, and they just don't get it. I, I shared with y'all, I went to the hospital one time up in Indiana. I was sick. I was sick as a dog on a Wednesday night. Shouldn't have even been at church. And, uh, and my pastor comes by and says, hey, I need you to go make a hospital visit. I said, well, preacher. I said, I, I'll go. I said, but I, I am really sick. I'm I probably, maybe shouldn't be there. He said, they're dying anyway. That's what he told me. <laughs> he said, they're dying anyway. I said, well, okay. So I go up and I witness to this fellow. And I spent 30, 40 minutes with him. And I walked him right through the gospel. And he's laying there in the bed and he's going, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. I understand that. Uh-huh. He walks right through it. And I'm in my heart, my mind, I'm going, this man's going to get saved. We get to the, we get to the end and I, and I, and I ask him, you know, really the question of that. And he goes, I'm not going to rush into anything. And that was his response. I went, wait, what? I, I mean, you're not going to rush into anything. I said, I said, sir, if your house were on fire, would you wait till tomorrow to get out of it? Well, well, no, but you know, I'm not going to be pressured into something. I said, sir, I'm not trying to pressure you. I've shared with you the truth of the gospel uh, and I'm, uh, you know, Christ is calling you. He's inviting you into a personal relationship with Him. He wants to save your soul. Well, I'm not rushing anything. And uh, I left. And I, I mean, I prayed for Him. He let me pray for Him. I prayed for Him, and I left. And a few weeks, yeah, probably a couple months later, I got a call from. It was his neighbor who wanted me to go see him. That went to our church. And I got a call that she said, "Hey, he he wants to see you." Turned and found out he didn't want to see me. I don't know where that came from, but I went back to the hospital. As soon as I stepped foot in the room, he went, I'm good. I'm good. He died a couple of days later. Breaks your heart. Presented with truth. Presented with the truth there. It does happen. And, you know, our job, our job, folks, is not, we can't save anybody. I, I can't. But... I can be a tool used by the Lord for him to save somebody. And it's us just being obedient and be faithful. And, and so, the, 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 you know, we're going to read in, in chapter 10 when John eats that book that it's sweet in his mouth, it's bitter in his stomach. And as you, as you, you, know, you know this, when you first got saved and the, 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 the sweetness of the gospel saved your soul. But the more we get into this and the deeper you get into it, you see there are folks who are going to reject and there's a bitterness to that. There's a, there's a, hard, there's a hardness and a truth to that. Uh, but but we, we, I, I can't save anybody. But I need to be faithful. Be faithful. Be a faithful witness. And so church, we're, we're a lighthouse out here. We're a lighthouse out here in Geneva. I'm going to tell you, God's doing, doing some good stuff right here.
You know, it ain't because of me. It ain't because of me and John and Raymond. It's just us being faithful. It's for our teachers being faithful. It's for Pastor Aaron and the praise team being faithful. And we stay obedient to what God tells us to do. We just stay obedient. We listen to what he says. We try to stay right there with him. Don't get ahead of him. Don't lag behind him. And that's the, that's the hard part because sometimes we want to get ahead of what he's doing. But church, it's not just about being a lighthouse and stay, sitting here and hoping they'll come. It takes us going out and shaking the bushes. You know what? If you got lost friends, family, invite them to come to church. Get them, get them to church. We get them. I'm, I'm gonna tell you. I can tell you this for a fact. There's there's somebody that's been attending our church that I, that I, they're they're lost. They told me they're lost. They're not. They were not ready. Not ready yet. The Lord's working on them though. And and as they come, and they listen. And they hear, and the Holy Spirit's working. I'm believing very soon they're going to trust the Lord. So, so keep praying. God will work. I saw a young man Sunday came up, and he said, that illustration you used about the, the river turning and going in the wrong direction, he said, that was me when I got off to college. He said, my life got out of whack, and I, got out of, I was going the wrong direction. He said, but I'm getting my life straightened out, and I'm getting it back moving and flowing in the right direction. And he said, I'm saved. He said, I know I'm saved. And uh, so God's doing some neat things. And uh, we all get to be a part of that. So be, be a part of that, okay? Thank you. Serve here. Serve here. Invite people to come. Be a part of this ministry every, every, every way you can. Amen? And let's see what God will do right here in little old Geneva. Amen? Amen. Father, Lord, we love you and we thank you so much. We thank you so much, God, for your goodness to us, your patience with us. I, I, I know many in this room that, we, that got saved later in life. Some of us were saved younger in life. Some saved very young. But some of us in here were saved later in life. And, Lord, that's just a, a beautiful picture of your patience with us and the work that you do in our life to prepare us and to prepare the situation so that may, maybe even a matter of humbling us so that we, we would respond to the gospel when you when it's presented to us and when you speak to our hearts. Lord, I, I've, I've thanked you many a time for the things that I went through as a kid, and I wouldn't change them because I, I don't know who I'd be otherwise. And maybe, Lord, you use those things to soften my heart to receive the gospel. And I thank you, Father, for saving my soul. I thank you for each person here that knows you as their Savior. And, uh, Lord, I, I pray that if there's even one tonight that's here that doesn't know you as Savior, God, would you speak their heart? I pray they wouldn't even leave here tonight before getting that right with you. Lord, help us as your children to be about your work in this community. May we go out of here and be the hands and the feet and the mouths uh, for you to share your good news, just to be instruments and tools in your hand, Lord. So use us, and uh, Father, we'll praise you and we'll thank you for that. We love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Hope you have a great rest of the week. If you need anything, holler. We got cleaning ministry tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Anybody that's available, love to, love to see you. Patrick's always, always got something he can put you on, right, Patrick? Amen. <laughs>